It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? If you're not behind Mark Davis after this, and you don't think that Mark Davis has the mind to go all in, now you have to look at the situation differently and what he's doing for you as a fan base to give you hope to win. JT the Brick. That's his job. He's the owner of the team. He's got to have an opportunity to win championships. Mark's told me a hundred times in private settings what a Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in. Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, thanks for coming back as we continue right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a beautiful Monday. Coming off the Grammys and everything that went on this weekend here, we are brought to you by our great friends at Resorts World, where they had Grammy after parties and a lot of excitement there. Why not the biggest, most expensive resort property in town? Location of the Doghouse, where you can go and watch sports, place your bets, and have great entertainment after the sports ends. You know, I do my show on Sunday night. I do the national show on Sirius Sunday to Thursday. So there's a couple of interviews or topics that I talk about on the night show that carry forward the next day. And last night was a good example of that as we have the national championship game tonight. But I was looking for a football topic that would get people going, and it's Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders and the Wolves are at the door. I think finally we can say that Daniel Snyder could be out as the owner of the Washington Commanders, period. And there's a lot happening. Front Office Sports broke the story about the commanders. The report indicated that the team allegedly withheld funding from the pool of visiting team money distributed to various franchises. And as we've said, and since then, the NFL and the team have no comment, according to Mike Florio. So this is a big deal because the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform are looking into the commanders and to see if they've been skimming from this money pool, regardless of whether the witness has any actual facts to back it up, and they're going to dive into this. Now, if it's true, Mike Florio and others front office are reporting it's over for Snyder. He cannot recover from this. Now, why would that be? Because billionaires and people who are worth hundreds of millions don't like their money touched in fraud by their partners. The 32 owners, 32 partners. And these owners, these partners, don't treat each other well. You have a hierarchy of partners and owners. Near the top, Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, who are both kind of Raider-friendly in a lot of ways with Mark Davis and the stadium in Vegas and all that. You got an owner such as Mark Davis who's gaining more momentum with ownership because of what he's done with the relocation to the Raiders in Vegas. And all of these other owners can't believe the revenue stream coming to the Raiders via Vegas, and the money coming in for game day tickets. Raiders are sold out, have one of the most expensive tickets out there and best experiences in football. You better believe that the owners love the fact that Mark Davis was able to pull this off. But if the commanders were keeping cash that should have gone to the league, then it's over because the other owners will not support them, and they'll say that this is fraud, When the NFL was asked earlier this morning if it had comment on the statement regarding the ticket money report, quote, no, the league said. The team had nothing to add behind its original comment regarding reports that the committee is generally investigating financial improprieties. So I think this is a massive story. You know, a lot of owners around the league, Shad Khan, if you look at him in Jacksonville, the McNair family in Houston with the Texans. 
you go all around to the Pagoulas in Buffalo. If you're a Raider fan, you're not concentrating on other teams and owners and their problems. But Daniel Snyder deeply affected the Raiders last year technically if he had anything to do with the leak emails that brought John Gruden down. And again, as we've talked about Coach Gruden and the emails, never condoning anything that was said and the content of that, but he was pulled out and pulled aside, and he was the only one affected by the 650,000 emails. Bruce Allen, former senior executive of the Raiders, was with Washington, and the Raiders had to make a coaching change early in the season, and fortunately for the Raiders, they were able to nail it with Rich Passacci and make the playoffs, but it caused a tension around here and how this played out. So some sound to get you up to date on what's happening here. Uh, Peter King, on with Mike Florio on NBC Sports, talked about the first investigation. Remember, there's a lot going on with Daniel Snyder, the culture of the commanders, then the Redskins, cheerleader issues, some of the issues with him having control of the team when he should have stepped aside. Here's Peter King. Everybody, other than I think Roger Goodell and Daniel Snyder, was unhappy with the results of the previous investigation when 40-some women came forward uh, and detailed an environment of sexual harassment or worse uh, inside the organization. And the response was to get an oral report when uh, the Tom Brady deflate gate report was 9,000 pages long and the Ray Rice report 8,900 pages long. It's a really important comment by Peter King. He said everybody wasn't happy except Goodell and Daniel Snyder. That's a very strong comment by one of the most respected NFL journalists we have because the NFL, which he's alleging, I'm not going to put words in Peter's mouth, he's alleging, and Daniel Snyder want this to go away. They want it to go away. They want the oral investigation to come out. There's not a written investigation for all of us to read. The oral investigation is closed. And then if we all forget about it, then guys like Mike Florio aren't reporting on this. Eventually it goes away. And now it's not going to go away. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that Congress is located in the nation's capital where the commanders are. And it's a topic that's really close to home. And it's getting a lot of chatter on sports radio back there because they want Snyder out. So a lot of the congressmen and women who are there are very familiar with this story because it's in their own backyard. Mike Florio went on to talk about you know, all of this, the fog, the fog of all this and the 650,000 emails that started the Gruden exit in Las Vegas, and now Daniel Snyder is still a big topic, and there's new allegations. Here's Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. It all goes back to whoever ordered the hit as Brent Musburger so eloquently has explained it, on John Gruden. This was all ignored. It was gone. It was over. No one was talking about it. No one was thinking about it. There was nothing about it, and no one said anything about it until somebody decided to peel off some emails from the 650,000 document dump that, that was otherwise secret and got John Gruden fired. That's what gave this thing life. That's incredible, man. We've been all over the story. No radio show. Forget Vegas. No radio show nationally has been on that. Mike was referring to Brett Musburger's comments to me exclusively talking about the hit job that happened to Gruden. So they all wanted it to go away. That's why this is such a huge topic in Vegas and a big topic around the NFL. Because in the past, the NFL wants things to go away. 
you know, Jerry Jones has got this paternity suit that's happening in Dallas. It's kind of going away. And for Jerry, it's a personal matter on a relationship he had with an alleged child and payments and all that. Jerry's got a lot of juice. And I don't see a lot of stories on that today because Jerry has the ability to take that story and slow it down or squash, squash it because he's arguably the most important owner in the sport from day to day. So it's incredible the information you get from the NFL. No one's writing about this at NFL.com. No one's reporting on it on Good Morning Football. No one's doing it other than Florio. I was surprised we had the sound for you today on Peter King because Peter King's all over it now. And if you look at a political story in politics today, you know how all the networks point at each other? Fox News says MSNBC hasn't talked about the laptop ever. Now they're talking about it. And they say, well, they talk about it too much. And these networks, cable news networks, fight each other in regards to content. When it comes to the NFL, this is a big story because Congress is involved. And I am a really big fan of Congress getting involved in sports. I'll give you the example. Jose Canseco, who lives in Vegas most of the time with his car wash, wrote a $30 book called Juice. 30 bucks. You can find it at Costco probably for 10 bucks, Or you can find it at your local library for free. That book by Jose Canseco on steroids and baseball, because he was getting railroaded on it, making him out to be that he was the only guy to do it. He wrote a book. It was a pretty good book. It really was. It was entertaining. Brought everybody up to Capitol Hill. Everybody. Next thing you know, Bud Selig's there, Rafael Palmeiro, Mark McGuire, Roger Clemens. You remember that. And it blew the powder keg off of everything. Because Congress couldn't take it anymore, the bad press of baseball. And Congress said to Major League Baseball, you can't control yourself. You're so out of control. You get tax benefits. You're America's pastime. We are reining you in a bit because everybody's talking about steroids and Sosa and McGuire, and you guys don't have an answer to any of this. So we'll bring you up to the Rayburn building. We'll put you under oath, and we'll get you to tell the truth. And, man, did you see the sweat pouring down the face of McGuire and Palmero and everybody there who had to tell the truth? Because they weren't lying to baseball writers, they would be lying to Congress. And I think the same thing's going to happen here with Daniel Snyder. They're going to bring a bunch of people up to Congress. They're going to have to speak about it on record. This is coming unless the NFL, and how's the NFL going to settle this? John Gruden doesn't want to check. He's going to get a check, but he wants to clear his name. What's going to happen with Daniel Snyder? Everybody else wants him out. Is he going to fight to keep his ownership and have to go in front of Congress? I have no idea. But I'm just reporting on a big story that broke Saturday, Sunday, and I wanted to get to today. One more from Florio. If they had a written report instead of an oral report, this thing might be moving a little bit faster. If she'd have written the report, if they'd have said write the report, the report would have included a recommendation that this man should be forced out as owner of the team. That's why they didn't want to report. And it wasn't to protect Daniel Snyder. It was to protect the rest of of the owners, they didn't want to set a precedent that then could be used against others if you have a disgruntled employee who realizes, hey, if I make just the right allegations, just the right accusations, here comes an independent investigator who starts looking around, maybe finds something, and the next thing you know, another owner goes down. Then another owner goes down. That's why they've resisted letting this out there. That's great reporting. He's right. I can understand that from an owner's perspective. The owners want to continue to make the sport really popular investigations if every owner had to deal with an investigation in-house every year when would it stop there's always going to be disgruntled employees correct there could always be a former gm or a former executive that could say that there was 
inappropriate behavior, this, that, or everything. And the next thing you know, there could be 11 internal investigations happening out of the 32 teams. So I understand why Roger Goodell, Daniel Snyder, did not want the written report. But it's too bad. You can't put the ketchup back in the bottle now. We in Vegas have the right to know why the Raiders season was interrupted when it could have been interrupted in June and July and John Gruden could have been removed from his job as the head coach of the Raiders. We all have the right to do that and know that. And on top of that, more and more people that I talk to believe that someone like John Gruden could have been suspended. We know this to be a fact because other coaches have been suspended. Sean Payton was suspended for a year for Bounty Gate, hits on players, all that that happened there. John Gruden could have been suspended for an entire year, six games, whatever it was, and he'd have his job. And because of that, there's a new regime here. So with all of this combined, this is just something that we all have the right to know. Is it the end of the world? No. But it's a massive story that really feels like we're in the world of politics, ladies and gentlemen, and we're in the world of corporate fraud, and we're in the world of white-collar crimes. It makes us feel that way. And we want to get some closure to this. And I know this for a fact. I don't know what the relationship of Daniel Snyder is with most of the owners, but I know that everything he's done recently is putting a plan in place to remove him as one of the owners of the NFL. And, you know, the cheerleader scandal, very important. Culture, very important. The emails, the only one they take out is John Gruden. So we got to know if Daniel Snyder's clean on that forensically. Did he leak the emails because it came from his servers at the Washington Commanders at the time, the Redskins? What did he know about it? If it turned out he didn't know anything and he can clear his name in front of Congress, great for him. But when it comes to this story about withholding money from ticket revenues that go into a league-wide visiting pool, absolutely no way he can survive from this. And the update of this story today, according to Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic, an employee who spent 24 years working for the commanders, has testified before the U.S. House Committee on Oversight Reform that the alleged financial misappropriation, Jason Friedman gave the secret testimony, which, as Kaplan writes, appears to spark multiple reports in recent days, including the bombshell that the team withheld payments from the ticket revenues that go into the league-wide visiting pool. If there's millions missing, hundreds of thousands missing, he's out. As Florio writes, as we see it, there's no gray area here. Financial improprieties happened or they didn't. His testimony is a starting point. The ending point is proof to support his claims or proof to debunk his claims or absence of no proof. But the commanders issued a statement last week in the aftermath of the initial reporting. Uh, There's been no specific statement since Saturday's report from A.J. Perez, who we're supposed to have on the show. So you might be saying, J.T., why'd you put that into the show today? Because it's a massive story nationally. And when, you know, we're doing a radio show in the months of April, May, June, waiting for football news, this is a story that goes right to the top of my food chain. 702-365-9200. Your opinion on this, if you have one, do you believe that Daniel Snyder's on his way out or what can save him from keeping his position as owner of the Washington Commanders? I think most fans and most people around the league would like to see him out. Uh, That was brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Whenever we're talking X's and O's or documents, 
documents around in Congress. It's with a Remy Martin cocktail in my hand. Remy Martin, team up for excellence and the excellence that they're going to provide throughout the strip during the NFL draft, as I saw today. They're building out the stage behind the link for the NFL draft, which is later on this month. And we got a lot of work to do. We got a couple of remotes and an opportunity to interact with you and enjoy one of the great weekends on tap in Las Vegas sports history. JT, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Dan Snyder has not been involved in day-to-day operations. I uh, don't believe he's been at the facility at all. Um, and we continue to have league matters. Tanya's represented the team as the CEO. She represented the club here. And that will continue for the at least the foreseeable future. It's Roger Goodell uh, talking about what's happening in regards to Daniel Snyder, which, big story today. If you want to comment on that, uh, give me a call, 702-365-9200. Uh, we're brought to you by AnyTiresPlus.com. It's a really cool place to go if you need a smog. My wife tells me we got a bunch of vehicles. The kids got cars. She's got a car. Get the smog. I'm like, what's going on with the smog? Why am I always being told I got to get a smog? And now if you go to Lake Mead and Boulder Highway, five ninety five for a smog. Quickly done. And right now you get $50 off any new set of tires at AnyTiresPlus.com. Uh, Frank's been with me a long time here. They're fantastic. 350 North Boulder Highway. So if you need tires, you need new tires, you want to look at your vehicle, make sure it's running right. You got kids driving a vehicle for the first time. You need a smog. Any deal, just mention my name, JT the Brick, at anytiresplus.com, and they will give you the JT hookup, which people like because it's a deal, and that's the deal at anytiresplus.com. So that's Roger Goodell on Daniel Snyder. I threw that out 20 minutes ago. No one has an opinion on Daniel Snyder. Nobody? As it affects the Raiders, I'll move on. Breaking news. Draft trade. Adam Schefter reporting. Eagles sending picks number 16, 19, and number 194 in the sixth round to the Saints in exchange for the 18th pick overall, number 101 in the third round, a seventh rounder, and here's the hook. A 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick. So a big trade between the Eagles and the Saints. So why did this happen? According to Adam Schefter, he says, now the Eagles have double two first-round picks in next year's draft, 2023, which is expected to be a much better and deeper quarterback draft. A trade like today continues to show that Jalen Hurts We'll get another chance this season to become the Eagles quarterback for future seasons, but they have a hedge there now because they're going to have two first-round picks. So when we look at what's going to happen with the first round and what's happening, the Giants and the Jets, I was explaining this, talking to my dad the other day. My dad's coming out in May. He's going to miss the draft for his birthday. And he was asking me about the Giants and Jets because he's a Giant fan growing up back there. Giants and the Jets have four of the top 10 picks, 11 picks in the draft. So if you're a New Yorker, you need to be coming out to the draft. Like if we don't have all of Vegas packed with New York Giants and Jet fans, but it's expensive. You want to fly from New York to Vegas for the draft. It's not cheap. It's not cheap to get a hotel room, airline tickets, the price of fuel and all that. But Giants and Jet fans should be there. And also the Eagles have the 18th pick. But how about New Orleans? 
New Orleans got two top 20 picks. They get number 16 and 19. So for Raider fans trying to figure out who's going to go in the draft, should the Raiders trade up? I don't think the Raiders need to trade up, but the Raiders have something very unique going on. The Raiders are in a good position because they have players now that they're evaluating. Clee Farrell, for example. I think Clee's a good player. He hasn't lived up to number four. We all know that. But if you look at the other players who are going to be here, Jonathan Abram, another first-round pick. I don't believe has lived up to anywhere near a first-round pick. Trayvon Mullen, another higher pick. I like Trayvon Mullen. I think he can develop into a shutdown corner. Look, if these guys, Dave Ziegler, want to trade those guys and move up and get into the first or second round, that's how you're going to do it. That's how you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to take some of the players that other teams think are value. Other teams are going to say, yeah, we want Cleef Farrell. We'll give him a new start here. We, we think we like Jonathan Abram. Raiders have safeties. We'll give him a shot. Then you trade those guys and move up. I, I think that's got to be an option. What other options do the Raiders have other than trading future picks to get into this draft? They already gave up a lot of future picks for Devontae Adams. We're waiting on Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk. He's going to join us in a moment. For Golden Knight fans who are out there, very excited, as we told you, since I went to that Saturday game against the Blackhawks. This team has been on a playoff explosion. And this mini road trip, they went undefeated, which was good to see. Uh, yesterday in Vancouver, Marcheseau giving him a 2 nothing lead that looked pretty safe at the time. Marcheseau gobbles it up, comes down the middle, he pulls and shoots, he scores! Jonathan Marcheseau, 28th goal of the season. A new Golden Knights tie for Jonathan. Vegas leads 2 nothing. So Vegas had a 2 nothing lead, and I was watching the game going back and forth, and I felt like the lead was going to be pretty comfortable. Robin Leonard was looking Good in goal. They, he gave up two goals. One was really shaky on a slow deflection. And Vancouver tied it up at two. If, if Vegas would have lost that game, it would, could have been a dagger to the season. But they get to overtime, and Leonard made a big stop on Horvat in overtime. That could have been the loss. We ended up saving the opportunity for VGK. Overtime begins. Horvat in alone. Kick saved by Leonard. Theodore with a terrible gaffe. Led directly to Horvat coming down the middle. And he could not get it by. That was a huge save. One of the biggest saves of the year for Robin Leonard. That game ends, and they go from being up 2-0 and lose, 3-2 in overtime. Uh, everybody would be deflated around VGK. Not the case. And Theodore, who made that gap to start overtime, ended up winning the game. It's a three-on-one. Marcheseau so with Carlson and Theodore. Marcheseau so to the middle. Theodore scores! Vegas in overtime! Shay Theodore wins it for Vegas. An appropriate hero in Vancouver. The Knights defeat the Canucks 3-2. Three goals in three games for Shea Theodore. He wins it for the Knights. They've won five in a row. So that's Dan Duba on the call there that makes it very interesting now for the Vegas Golden Knights as they put themselves in a really, really tough situation here as we're looking at where they stand in the Pacific and where they stand in the playoffs overall. So as we know, Vegas put themselves in a position where they are in a tough spot and are looking for this wild card and they're going to have to get it. And I think that if the Golden Knights can get into the playoffs, just get in, then they'll have the opportunity. All the pressure will be off them. All the pressure will be off, and they'll have an opportunity to get it done. In the wild card standings, uh, Nashville, 82 points. VGK, 82 points. Dallas with 81. 
and uh, Winnipeg looks to be out of it at 76. So scoreboard watch with the Predators, the Dallas Stars, and see what can happen here over these next couple of games. It's going to be tough, as we talked about with the Kings and Oilers in front of them and what's happened in that division with the Blues. They put themselves in the West in a deep hole, and now they have to dig out of it. 702-365-9200. We had Greg Townsend on earlier in the show. If you want to react to that interview, if you missed that interview, you'll find it up in podcast form at Raiders.com. All right, Kurt Heelan, kind enough to join us, our NBA insider. You can follow him at Basketball Talk. He's got a great story going on with Kareem that we talked about last hour. But, Kurt, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. I want you to begin with this race that I'm looking at. The MVP race has been incredible, and I think it's down to the final three. How do you see it? I will tell you that this has been, as a voter, like one of the hardest, actually the hardest MVP year I've had. I, I, the, the Russell Westbrook triple-double versus Harden year wasn't this mm-hmm. tough because this is three deep with guys who frankly are deserving as of today and, and probably how my ballot's going to go in. I have Jokic slightly ahead of Antetokounmpo in second and then Embiid third. Um, and I feel bad because honestly Embiid would win this most years with the season he's had. I love you. Take, you know, you take this so seriously and you should, you have a vote. How important is that vote to you? And you crunch numbers, but you chase a lot of good stories and write good content about what players go through on a personal level and, and write stories. So yeah. when you're getting to the end of this, I mean, how does your head go into this? Is Are you more of a stat guy like me, or do you add some of the other metrics in there that maybe some of us don't know about? Stats matter, obviously, and, and that, in part because, JT, it's the thing we can measure, right? And, and I am not a scout, so I'm not – and I don't pretend to be. So, like, I, you know – Hey, I can see. I know floppy when I see it. But I'm not a scout. No. I, I, I lean on them though, and and what I do is I do lean on stats. But in this case, with the MVP race, with Defensive Player of the Year, which is harder to much harder to judge on stats, Coach of the Year because I'm not in the locker rooms. I do talk to scouts or or other people around the league and and try to get opinions and senses and 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 thoughts of other people that are that are smarter than I and try to meld that into something in, with with my worldview. I, I, I will say this, and I think this is true of most of the voters, at least the ones I know. Everybody takes it really seriously, especially mm-hmm. since this weird new CBA thing where there's liter- there's money on the line with all NBA every year. And I try, I don't know that I work hard not to let that influence what I'm deciding, but reputations and careers hinge on this stuff in some ways. And yeah. I take that really seriously. I know you do. Kurt Heelan's our guest. Follow him at Basketball Talk. So in the East, we have three teams, two, three, and four. Boston, Milwaukee, and the Sixers uh, both have 30 losses. They're separated by half a game. Boston at the two, Milwaukee three, and then Philadelphia. That could change. Philly's won two in a row. Boston has. Milwaukee's lost two in a row. And Giannis said you know, he doesn't care where the seedings are. And I think he's saying that because when you lose two in a row – you got to take some of the heat, and you got to take some of the heat off of your teams. And then Chicago at the five seed, they can't move up there. So handicap that race for the two seed between the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers. And who do you think is going to get it? The funny thing is, if you'd asked me that four days ago, five days ago, I would have said, "Oh man, the Bucks. The Bucks are hot." Well, first off, I would have said the Celtics, but the the Robert Williams thing really hurts them. Um, it's just he's such a key defensive piece for what they do. They're still very good without him. 
mm-hmm. they can still advance. But to me, I think I think the Bucks are the best of that group. But I'm not sure. The, the other part of this is how hard guys are going to push for that. And like I said, they say the seeding doesn't matter. The Brooklyn Nets sit, well, I think they're ninth right now. Like they, They're going to be a play-in team. And mm-hmm. it feels it feels like they will come out of the plan. Like they're just too talented not to. I'm going to assume that they are. Maybe they don't. Maybe they run into hot Trey Young and it doesn't happen. But if I'm one or two, I run the risk of running into them. And right. there's some advantage exactly. to being three or four, isn't there? Like, hey, man, would you rather face Chicago or, or Toronto or Brooklyn in the first round? Like, with, as bad as Brooklyn's defense is, I don't want to go up against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because they're going to win a couple of games because they're just that good offensively. Like that team is a problem. So I'm curious if some of those teams are kind of Miami's pretty much locked into the one, but I'm curious if teams kind of ease their way into that three or four, just thinking life will be a little easier. Kurt Heelan joins us. NBC covers basketball lead analyst. Follow him at basketball talk. Have you evolved or some of your peers when you talk to him about the play in game, because in the East, you don't have teams below 500. So the Hornets are 40 and 38, and so is Brooklyn, 40 and 38. But the West conversation is dealing with New Orleans as the nine seed at 34 and 44, San Antonio 33 and 45, and the Lakers, who looks like with being two games out, they're almost done, 31 and 47, on the potential to reward a bad team with an opportunity of playing in the playoffs through the playoff game. Has anything changed on that? I don't, th- I don't think so, only because for, look, first off, the Lakers are toast. Like, not only are they two games back, we're two games back now, right? But the Spurs have the tiebreaker. So you can't, right. you can't just tie them. You can't just equal them. You've got to get in front of them. I, the Lakers aren't going to win enough games to do that. It doesn't, like you said, in the East, it's kind of like, I, I think that's going to be a pretty entertaining group. And in the West, pretty bad was going to get in. I think what's going to happen eventually, what's going to turn some minds is it, it, let's say for example this year minnesota deserves to be in they're the seven seed they're good right like that is a good team if they slip up and lose a couple for whatever reason then i think you'll see some some outcry some hey man they earned it over 82 and they couldn't win a couple of games that shouldn't at the end that shouldn't hurt them i, I think that's what's going to turn it more than some bad team slipping in because frankly Half the time, some bad team slips in anyway. Kurt Hillen joins us. I was looking at the Lakers' schedule. Their last game is at Denver, and that is Masters Sunday. So when you think of what's happening here with their schedule and what they're doing, do you think that the Lakers are going to have a complete house cleaning? I mean, like they do in the NFL the day after the season, six coaches get fired. Or do you think Jeannie Buss and the team is going to take a major step back, let these guys get out of there, let them go back home, let them go on vacation, and then slowly start making decisions? Because they can't make any decisions on Westbrook's contract. That's an albatross. But they could fire the coach that day. They could make really big changes in the front office. What are you hearing inside the Lakers? I don't think you're going to see front office changes. Rob Polinka is trusted by, by the brain trust of, of, of you know, not only Jeannie Buss, but the, the Rambuses and stuff. I, I would be surprised if he's not back. Now, his, his seats might get a little warm now. Like, you, you had your big mess up. But Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel has probably hired a realtor already. He knows, everybody knows, like, it's what's coming. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's an NFL-style day after why are you having him run exit interviews? 
I mean, seriously. Right. I mean, it, I don't know what you're getting out of that at this point. So um, that's going to be a, a and that is going to be a major roster overhaul. If, if your name isn't LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you could you might not be back next year. Um, everything else is on the table. Hey, finally, clear up what's going on with Kareem and his comments. And I know you wrote about it. Did Kareem tweet back at you? Yeah, he um, he used my tweet. I, I, I was certainly not the only person to write this. He had come out, um, you know, they, they were giving away the uh, the new Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Award today. And when he spoke, he's like, you know, he spoke like, hey, I, I'm good with LeBron passing me. Like, he's earned the right to pass me next year in, in this. And, and I've, I've always respected him. But but they're just a, they're different generations, man, and they handle things differently. And so he did he didn't like the big ball celebration that LeBron did. I, I always love that one, but he, he didn't like that. And he's had some issues with how LeBron, some of the stuff LeBron posted on social media about COVID. Um, he, you know, I wrote about that and he sent back and said, Hey, a reporter asked me a question and I regret my answer because it didn't, I, it wasn't deferential enough. And it's kind of been taken as me taking a shot at Kareem. And that's, I mean, at, at LeBron and that's not what I meant. And uh, I, you know, look, I, I retweeted it. I put it back in the column. I don't think mm-hmm. and this isn't some. This isn't a. This is an East Coast West Coast rap beef, JT. <laughs> this, right. is, this is two guys who kind of respect each other, but I think see different generations of activists in pretty much every, every. You know, whether you're talking politics or whatever, see things differently. And I think that's. I think it's more that than anything. Kurt Heelan, no, this is amazing because I'm looking at your timeline at basketball yeah. talking for Kareem to get right back at you. And I'll, I'll end it on this. I, I remember how uncomfortable it was for Henry Aaron when Bonds broke his record and Henry Aaron wouldn't go and they put up his you know, likeness on the video scoreboard in San Francisco and he said some nice things. Everybody knew how uncomfortable that was and Bonds passed his godfather, Willie Mays, first and he was at home plate. And everybody knew that Bonds was cheating. That's not the case with LeBron and Kareem. Yeah. What do you think the Lakers are going to do around those games? You don't know what night it's going to happen. It could be a 42-point night. It could be a night where he gets 11 uh, in the game and he breaks it in the first quarter. Kareem, this is a big moment for Kareem for younger generations. Not that he cares to see him on that stage. And I think it's the most important individual stat night upcoming for LeBron because I think that record's going to matter more than it has in the past because – of this LeBron rivalry with Jordan and younger generations caring about this stat. How do you see it? Yeah, I think, look, LeBron's GOAT argument partially now rests on the fact that he, the longevity, how good he's been for how long he's been this good. And and by the way, you know, didn't take three years off in the middle of it. Like, that's part of his argument now and and having the most points ever. So the thing is, I think Kareem, who sheltered himself from the media and public in general for a long time and has really been over the last few years far more. I mean, he's writing op-eds for the Washington Post and New York Times and, and, and other publications, and he's got his own Substack, I think, now. And, like, he's just out, right, like, in the sense of, like, expressing himself and being more public and kind of letting himself be out there in a way he, he wasn't for when he played and, and for a long time after. I think he's going to be there. I think this is going to be a chance for him to, I think it'll, you know, if you're having a goat conversation and you're not including Kareem, you're kind of doing it wrong, right? Like you could say it's Jordan and LeBron if you want, but Kareem's got six MVPs, six championships and a resume that can match anybody. So I, I think there's a lot of younger generation people who are going to 
learn about just how great and how dominant Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in his era. And uh, and by the way, how, was it how many national championships? Two, two or three? I'm going to forget off the top of my head, but he's got a couple of those too. All right, my friend, if you need an investor or anybody to donate for your NFT with the Kareem tweet, I'm serious. I'll buy into that. <laughs> I think you get an NFT of that with Kareem tweeting back at you. You make some type of art of that. Uh, I'm buying one. I want a print of that, so let me know how that goes, okay? I, 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 I've still got some college eligibility <laughs> left, too. I can make money with this, right? It's okay. You got it, buddy. Take care. Thanks for doing this. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Kurt. Kurt Healing. <laughs> you know, he, when, you, when you're on Twitter and you get Kareem, Kareem to react to your tweet on this and the LeBron James situation, as I mentioned earlier in the show, really important time in the history of the NBA or the modern era or social media. When's the modern era? Pre-Jordan, of course. Then the Jordan era, Kobe era, go through any list you want. But social media didn't exist. You see, Elon Musk today, Elon Musk, one of the smartest people in the world. I just want to say this. I was in a meeting Friday, we were helping out a promotion for a liquor that I was doing with Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. And I was downtown, and I was talking to someone there about Elon Musk. We have interest, you know, Tesla talks, stocks. We were talking, and he didn't know. I didn't know. Elon Musk bought 9.7% of Twitter today. Elon Musk is trying to take over Twitter. He bought it today. The stock went up. And social media is really Twitter. And Facebook and how that's changed everything. Now there's TikTok and all of that. Kareem wasn't involved in that when he played. There was no TikTok and social media with Michael Jordan. It's incredible with Kevin Durant and LeBron James and these athletes. So athletes have an ability to get in more trouble with social media that didn't exist back in the day. Back in the day, what was the big issue for NBA players was nightclubs and drugs. Drugs because cocaine was massive massive in the late 70s, 80s. The league almost had the biggest problems they ever had because of cocaine and how many players were on the drug and everybody knew it and games were played on replay until Magic and Bird came into the league. When we look at what's going to happen here in the next two weeks, the Lakers are going to be eliminated. They're not even going to be in the play-in game. Well, that's what everybody works off of, social media, TikTok, Facebook, obviously Twitter, television ratings, and the ability for these players to talk. And there's going to be no Lakers. And i never seen anything like this. As a Yankee fan, you know, in baseball, you can get the second wild card, which is pretty pathetic. It really is. If you're, if you're playing for the second wild card in baseball, not the first, because for a century and decades upon decades, you want to get in the playoffs for baseball, you got to win the division. I mentioned Ted Williams, Ernie Banks. These were two of the greatest players of all time. They couldn't even get in the playoffs if they didn't win the division. Ernie Banks couldn't beat the Cardinals. Ted Williams couldn't beat the Yankees. Even when he had better years than Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams didn't make the playoffs because they had to win the division. They didn't have a wild card. Now LeBron's playing for the 10 seed and the play-in game, and he can't get in. So what's going to happen here for about a week or two There's going to be a lot of low-hanging fruit. Shannon Sharp, Skip, our friend Stephen A., who does it right. All these guys are going to bash on LeBron for not making the playoffs and Anthony Davis for about two weeks. And then after that, after those two weeks, then things are going to kind of settle down. We're going to get into the playoffs. But you can have a playoff coming up here with no Kevin Durant because they're in the play-in game. If they get beat, Kyrie and Durant will be gone. 
LeBron and Anthony Davis will be gone. Which, for me, in the business I'm in, is a huge deal. Because if I can't go on the radio at night and give you the background of a Laker victory or loss, I can't do that with Utah, Dallas. Nobody cares. Everybody turns the radio off. So for the first time in LeBron's career, this will be the fourth time he misses the playoffs. Bird and Magic combined never missed the playoffs once. So LeBron's GOAT argument is going to take a big hit by not making the playoffs. And on top of that, as I talked about it with Kirk, it's going to come down to the fact that there's no LeBron for the league to talk about, L.A. to talk about, and we're not used to that. As much as you don't like LeBron or like him, it's great to have him in the playoffs. Lakers are on prime time. They're part of a doubleheader almost every other night. Now they're gone. You tell me how many people are going to tune into the Clippers or Dallas or Utah, even Phoenix, Memphis. Come on. No one watches Memphis games. John Morant's a great player, but no one watches. This is all coming up. And I'll say the same thing about hockey here in Vegas. You don't have the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs. We don't have an opportunity to go to T-Mobile for a month. On a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, that's going to suck. That's why we got to help that team get into the postseason or believe that we can help them. Thanks again to Kurt Heelan for joining us as we get in an NBA spot today. Busy show. We've been all over it. Rest of the week, Tiger Woods coming back to the Masters. The national championship game tonight, North Carolina and Kansas and how you're betting that game. There is a four and a half at BetMGM. Uh, minus four throughout most of the strip properties. Jayhawks minus four. Can Carolina win outright on the money line? That game should be a lot of fun tonight. We'll recap it tomorrow. And more Raider draft guests as we're now in the 80s. He wants to win, and he wants to win now, and he's going to do whatever it takes. And uh, as a player, uh, that's music to yours. You know, I've been on uh, you know, several teams now, and I understand you know, when you have a motivated owner, that really shows up everywhere throughout the organization. JT, back with you as we continue on and wrap it up here on Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. on a pretty good day today on a Monday. I mean, there's not a lot of Raider low-hanging fruit today. We had Greg Townsend on with you. We wanted to have a big interview with him, and there's not a lot of breaking news as the team. Now the players are getting set to meet with the new coach and the new staff, and they get to know each other. And there's a lot of people to get to know. There's a lot of new faces around there. Bobby Romanski, a longtime friend of the equipment manager, the guy behind everything there, fit new helmets and jerseys and get new players that he has to meet coming in. What a job that the Raiders do behind the scenes in that gorgeous facility making everybody comfortable. If you've seen the videos at Raiders.com, the coach, the GM, the players, Chandler Jones, the exclusive video, it's incredible when these players see the practice facility. You know, when they see the practice facility, they see it and they look at it and they've never seen anything like it. Unless you come from Dallas and the star. You come from Dallas, there's something similar to that. Big, big, big. But the Raiders, it's brand new. And a lot of guys who are coming and moving here are trying to figure out where do they want to live. Do they want to live in Summerlin in the ridges? Do they want to live, you know, over in Southern Highlands? Do they want to live in a new part of Henderson, be close to the facility, get away from the facility? That's their decision to make. But they're looking at that facility and that short commute on the 15th to the stadium compared to what some of them are dealing in other markets, such as New York, New Jersey, 
all of that, I mean, incredible. It's easy to work out here. Easy to get in your training, your workout, buy a house that's reasonably priced. And ladies and gentlemen, that's not going to last forever, forever easy either. You're not going to be able to buy a house the style of what these guys are used to and what they want to have. You know, four or five years ago, three, four years ago, you can get a pretty good deal. You can get a $4 million house in Vegas for one2 you know, you can get a $3 million house in Vegas for 900000 compared to New York and Los Angeles and Miami. Not anymore. Those prices continue to come up here, but the value is still great because there's no state taxes, and everybody loves that. Uh, the breaking news today, the Eagles trade the 16th, 19th pick to the Saints for the 18th, but the 2023 first rounder. So the Eagles will have two picks in the first round next year, and that was obviously something really important to them. And I think it does signal that they're going to give Jalen Hurts one more year. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I think he's a hell of a player. Really is. He's not a great throwing quarterback yet, but he can make a lot of the throws, and his strength and ability to run downhill is fantastic. Tiger Watch is huge the rest of the week. Tiger hasn't decided whether or not he's playing yet, but everybody thinks he is because he's been so happy in these warm-up rounds at Augusta National. The pictures that they're getting there, he's laughing, he's walking great, He's hitting ropes from the back tee. So if he's doing all of this, if he's going to do all this, why would he back off at the last second? I think he's going to play. And about a week ago, I thought that about a week ago, I would say no. And a baseball story that I think is really important here, uh, all Major League Baseball, all of Major League Baseball to wear Jackie Robinson's number 42 in Dodger blue coming up on uh, Jackie Robinson Day. And that will include not only the players, but the managers, the coaches, and the umpires will wear 42 in Dodger blue for the first time. It's the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson. Wow, 75th anniversary of him breaking the Major League color barrier. A Major League Baseball retired his number in 1997, and all ununiformed personnel have worn 42 on that day since 2009. But this will be the first time the numbers will be in the color of the Dodgers, in Dodger blue there. So, and, I, and I've seen this. Major League Baseball put out the patch. It looks incredible on the 75th anniversary. So a lot of Dodger fans here in Vegas, uh, we're ready for the start of baseball season right around the corner here. Uh, but tonight the priority will be the national championship game the tip is at 6.20 Pacific time. So I get a chance to babysit and watch this game tonight. North Carolina, 29-9, going up against Kansas, 33-6. Carolina is an eight seed. Kansas is the one seed. I think Carolina's playing with house money now. After beating Duke, they've had some high, high stories. Closing Cameron Indoor on top of the fact of knocking Coach K out. If they don't win, they've still had a great run the last couple of weeks. For Kansas, they can't afford to lose this. This would be a death blow to Bill Self if he loses another big opportunity here against a team that he should not easily beat, but he should beat. This should be Kansas's night. We'll see what happens. We'll recap it tomorrow. Thanks to Greg Townsend, Kurt Heelan, who joined us, our guest for today. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Hopefully I'll be out at the Raider facility this week as players are coming in. For the first of the workouts, excited about that. Raider Nation Unite, our draft series continues with the rest of the 80s this week. We'll tweet out and tell you in advance who we have. At JT the Brick, Q and Vinny, back-to-back coming up next. Have a great day, everyone.